Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Well, good morning. Good morning, you kids. How are you doing? Good, yeah. Do you have your Christmas tree up? So we put ours up yesterday, but we haven't decorated it yet. And you put yours up a couple months ago? What's your mommy and daddy's name? Joshua and Kate Willis, congratulations, you win, you win, um, great. So we're thinking about decorating it today, and I was thinking about putting at the top of the tree a turtle. Do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea? Horrible idea. Horrible idea. Okay, what do you think? Is it a good idea or a bad idea? I get a so-so. Okay, differing opinions. What did you put at the top of your tree? Star. A star? A bell. A bell, Good. Same family, another bell. So um, I also know people put angels on top of their tree. Have you ever put an angel on top of your tree? No? So this morning, we're going to talk about the Christmas star, and we're going to talk about angels. And oftentimes, we put those on the top of the tree to remind us of the story of Christmas and how angels announced who Jesus is and why he came. So let's read Luke chapter 1, a little bit of the Christmas story. This is an angel speaking to Mary about who Jesus is and why Christmas is so exciting. So Luke 1, 30 through 33 says this, the angel said to Mary, do not be afraid for you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So I think I'm gonna put an angel, not a turtle on top of my tree. Does that sound good? All right, well, thank you guys for coming up. Well, good morning. It's good to have all of you here. So we are one week away from Christmas. Hopefully you know that. It should be somewhere on your calendar. Um, And for a lot of you, there's excitement around that. I know in my house, my son came home from college on Wednesday, and it's just, uh, there's something about having your whole family under your roof again. It just feels good. It feels right. So for some of you, there's that warmth, and there's excitement for this week and this coming weekend. Uh, For others, some of you might feel a little overwhelmed. Some of you might feel a little anxious. Maybe Christmas brings some hard things to mind and some hard things that you've gone through. I just want you to know, wherever you're at in this moment, we are so glad that you are here. And whatever you've brought into the room this morning, you are welcome, you matter, and we care. Our series is called Home for Christmas because regardless of what you've gone through, regardless of what you're going through, the reminder of what home is all about, and that being our Savior Jesus, is something we want to keep in the forefront, in the center, as we prepare ourselves for Christmas. So as Christmas Eve approaches... Next Saturday, I want to make sure you've got details ready to go so you know what's coming. Uh, We have three services here on Saturday, on Christmas Eve, one at 3, one at 4.30, and one at 6. Those first two services will have childcare for kids two and under. Uh, The third one, we won't. So if you have kids who are three and over, the service will work out great for them. We're going to do our candlelight service. It's a good time, creates great memories for you, your kids, your grandkids. You'll want to be here. And... Just so you know, studies show that people are often more willing to come to a church service on Christmas Eve than any other day. 
So if you have a coworker, a friend, a family member, maybe someone who lives in your neighborhood who you've thought about inviting to church, next Saturday would be a great time to invite them. Oftentimes people are willing to come on Christmas Eve, even if they're not interested in coming any other time during the year. So I encourage you to consider bringing someone with you. So this week, we're gonna talk about our forever home. Christmas pointing to our forever home. So when it comes to Christmas, it has a lot to do with perspective and perspective matters. I remember my first year of marriage, uh, Jen and I were still in Bowling Green, Ohio, going to Bowling Green State University, upper Northwest corner. And I was in my fifth year, she was in her fourth year. Took me a little longer than her to get through, uh, but we got through and she was working at a home for girls. It was a place where those girls didn't really want to be there, but it was a home for girls, and Jen had to learn self-defense. So she had gone through several weeks of self-defense training, and I remember sitting on the couch, and she stands up, kind of gets into this position, and she said, try to push me over. Okay, so her perspective was, is I've been trained in this. My husband, we're, I mean, we're about the same size. She's a strong, fit lady. Like, it's not like I'm a big guy, and she's a little, like, we're about the same size. She's like, push me over. So her perspective is, I'm going to be able to stop this. I've been trained. My thought was, there's nothing good that's going to come out of this. Like, how is, how is this going to turn out well? Uh, so I looked at her and I said, are you sure you really want me to push you? She said, yeah, I've been training for it. Like, come push me. I said, like, push you a little bit or push you a lot? And she said, just push me. I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to come at her about 50, 60%. So, <laughs> so I go up to her and I go like this. And she goes flying backwards onto her back. And so it turned out kind of the way I thought it would. And I just looked at her and I'm like, I am so sorry. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe we did that. And, she just, and so her perspective was, I have you know, bruises now on her backside and she's not super pleased. I'm really confused. And we decided we weren't going to do stuff like that anymore. So we don't play that game anymore where you push me or I push you. Um, but there was a perspective issue, right? We saw what was going to happen in two very different ways. When it comes to Christmas, um, if you go to that family gathering and you have that one family member, maybe it's you who just thinks, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna kill it with this incredible Christmas outfit. And they, you know, they put that sweater on or that suit on. I've seen some of those this morning. And like, you just, they just think they're gonna look amazing. And they end up looking a little bit like Cousin Eddie. Green pants, white shoes, that black dicky under the white sweater. And you're like, they think they're killing it, but really just killing the Christmas vibe. Uh, it might be about presence and perspective. Have you ever given a present and it just didn't land quite the way you thought it would? You know, that vacuum cleaner you got for your wife or those frying pans that you were going to buy anyways that are now a Christmas present and they just didn't land right? One year I bought my wife all these clothes. Like, I thought I could pick out clothes for my wife. They all got taken back. Like, it just, so perspective on Christmas gifts. So one of my favorite ones is this show. I don't know if you guys watch this every year, but that's Ralphie and his aunt got him that pink bunny outfit. All he wanted was a BB gun and ended up with that. So it's based on perspective. How do you view things? So when it comes to Christmas, I think oftentimes we get stuck with the perspective of focusing on the scene, the things we can put our hands on, the stuff of Christmas, the decorations, the presents, the trees. And sometimes we forget about the big stuff of Christmas. So this morning, I wanna kind of alter and change our perspective. I want us to focus on the big, the cosmic, the eternal, the huge things of Christmas. I really believe that Christmas changed everything in the biggest possible 
way. During that first Christmas morning, who all got to see it? Who all got to see that first Christmas morning? There weren't a whole lot of folks involved. There were some animals. Mary was there. Joseph was there. Eventually, some shepherds showed up. Some point in the future, the Magi showed up. But those were the only ones physically there to see it. But what I want us to know is at the exact same time, all of heaven was watching what was taking place. I would argue every spiritual being in all of creation was completely aware and in tune of that moment. It wasn't passing them by. If you look at the Christmas story, you'll notice that there's angels all over the Christmas story. You don't see a lot of angels in the scriptures. You see some. They kind of occur periodically. But in the Christmas story, they're there almost every step of the way. So this morning, we're going to start by looking at some of those angels and the role that they played. Because in seeing the role that the angels played, you see how important and significant this moment is. That heaven was engaged and apart and in step with all these moments of the Christmas story. Before I jump into particular moments and particular angels, it's interesting just to note and to realize that God works through means. God himself could have done all the things that these angels are doing. God doesn't need to use angels and God doesn't need to use you and me. But what God chooses to do is he creates angels and us and he works in us and through us. We are the means that God uses oftentimes to do his work. Why would he do that? He doesn't need us, but by using us, we get to experience the joy of being a part of what God does. By using us, oftentimes after we get to experience what God's done in us and through us for the sake of another, we respond by praising God. So God uses means. God uses people even like us. Here he's using angels. In Luke chapter one, we have Zachariah. So Zachariah is married to Elizabeth and they have John the Baptist. Elizabeth is related to Mary, the mother of Jesus. So that's the, that's the tie into the Christmas story for Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest, and Zechariah in this moment is in the temple. It says in verse 11, it says, then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And the angel goes on to explain and to tell Zechariah that he's gonna be having a son, and he's to name that son John. And Zechariah, with slight disbelief, is, begins to almost argue a bit with the angel. We see a little bit of doubt where he says, well, I'm old, my wife is old, and she's barren. In verse 18, Zechariah basically says these things. He asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. So the angel here realizes what Gabriel's saying. There's a little bit of doubt, and the angel steps in. And these words, I think, are very strong on purpose. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you, to tell you about this good news. So Gabriel's like, hold up. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. He sent me to talk to you. He sent me to tell you these things. So to question the words of Gabriel is to kind of question God's intent in the words of God himself. The angel can be trusted because he has the authority of God in the moment. He's been sent by God in that moment. He's a messenger of the God most high. 
So what happens now is Zachariah loses his ability to speak until the day of the birth of his son. And when Zachariah, Zachariah writes on a piece of paper, name him John, he's then able to speak again. So an angel shows up and prepares the way for John the Baptist, who prepares the way for Jesus. The next time we see an angel is in Luke 1.26. He appears to Mary. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, she did indeed get pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel, same guy, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So Gabriel, who dwells in the presence of God, shows up and is in the presence of Mary and says, God is with you. The angel shows up and directs and comforts Mary in those moments. In Matthew 1, an angel shows up to Joseph. Joseph at this point is thinking, I'm not sure how my wife got pregnant. Perhaps I should separate from her. So Joseph is not thinking about marrying Mary or moving forward with Mary. He's thinking about separating from Mary. So an angel shows up and helps explain to Joseph what's happening. So what we see happening is angels are advising. Angels are directing. Angels are guiding. Last week, we talked about shepherds. And the angels showed up to talk to the shepherds. It made it clear that the birth of the Messiah, the birth of the Christ has come. And then we see a host, a multitude of angels appear in the sky and they praise and they worship God. There is excitement for these angels about the coming of Jesus. There's excitement and delight over the coming of the Messiah. The angels know what's happening. The angels understand its significance and the angels respond to God in these moments with incredible praise. One more possible angel. Okay, so what I'm about to talk to you about now is a guess. This is not me teaching like I just got done teaching. This is Mike throwing out an opinion, a thought, a possibility, and I could be totally wrong. So when it comes to that Christmas star, what was that Christmas star? Was it, if you Google it, like everyone's trying to figure out, was it like two stars that God kind of put one over the other so it just kind of magnified it for a period of time? Did God actually make a star, a new star that just fizzled out when he was done with it? Like what happened in that moment? I think it's very possible that that star was actually an angel. Why would I say that? And I could be wrong. Matthew 28, 3, Acts 12, 7. Angels appear in both of those passages. And when they do, there is tremendous light, blinding, tremendous light. Okay, so angels can produce light. Revelation chapter 1, verses 16 and 20. John sees a vision of Jesus. And in this vision, Jesus is holding 11, nope, seven lampstands in this hand and seven stars, seven stars in this hand. And he goes on to explain, the seven lampstands represent the seven churches who he's about to write to. And the angels and the stars represent the angels of those churches. Some like to translate that into pastors, but the word is angels. So even in that moment, Jesus is using angels and they're represented by stars. Seraphim, which are angelic beings that are in the presence of God. Seraphim means burning ones. Isaiah 14 even Satan, before he fell, was called the bright 
morning star. So if this is an angel, he would be guiding the Magi to the place where Jesus is, just like all the other angels were guiding Mary, guiding Zechariah, guiding Joseph, guiding shepherds. This potential angel would now just be guiding the Magi. Or maybe not. Maybe it wasn't an angel. But it works really well in this sermon. So it's a consideration. It's a possibility. Um, But why would these angels be so involved? I think so often when it comes to our view of Christmas, all we really view is just that little nativity scene. We just think about the angels, about Mary, and we think about Joseph, and we think about the animals and maybe the shepherds, but we forget about the big thing living in the background. Uh, Here's a picture of the nativity scene with the big, huge sky in the background. There's just this reality that even though those involved in the moment were small, it was simply a manger and a few folks, what was happening in the background was gigantic. All of heaven, all of the hosts of heaven, the tens of thousands of multitudes of angels were aware. They were paying attention. Several of them were involved. For them, it's basically the Super Bowl moment. So only a few saw him come and lay in the manger, but all of heaven was aware. So one perspective I want you to add to your way of thinking about Christmas is the anticipation, the involvement, and the celebration of the entire spiritual world into the moment of that first Christmas morning. A second interesting thing. So first perspective is all of heaven is watching. Second perspective comes from some things that Zacharias says. So Zachariah, if you remember, he was basically muted. He couldn't speak until after the birth of John. And one of the things he says after he's able to speak again is he begins to proclaim and praise God that he has fulfilled in Jesus the covenants of the Old Testament. In Jesus, God had faithfully done what he had promised to Abraham. What does he mean by that? What is he saying by that? The Bible says everyone who dies in faith goes into the presence of the Lord. If you know Jesus and something happened to you today or tomorrow, you would instantly be in the presence of the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about the saints of old and it describes them as being conscious and aware and living in the presence of God. They're called the cloud of witnesses. In fact, it describes them as being active right now in our lives. There's this picture of those who believe in Jesus today running a race. And this cloud of witnesses, those who have believed and who have died and who have gone before us and are in the presence of God, they're cheering us on. They're saying it's worth it. He's worthy. Go for it. They're aware. They're actively living in the presence of God. The Bible also says in the end of Hebrews 11, that they recognized that without the coming of Jesus, they were imperfect and incomplete. So it's in the coming of Jesus and the launch of the church that all those who have ever died in faith can celebrate recognizing they will be made complete. What they've been longing for is now coming. So not only were the angels watching, all those who have ever died in faith were anticipating and watching and cheering on Christmas morning, the coming of Jesus. Because it's at the coming of Jesus that the completion takes place. One that they've been longing for to come, comes. So when it comes to perspective, I want us to see that all of heaven was watching. 
and all who have ever believed were watching. The moment doesn't get any bigger than this moment. Huge, cosmic, eternal. Why is the cloud of witnesses so excited? Why are the angels staring in? It's because they know that Christmas morning points to Jesus saving his people from their sins. Jesus saving all of his people from all time from their sins. They also know that the coming of Jesus it points to that one day he will remake, redeem, and renew all things. In the coming of Jesus, it points to a cross. And in the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus, it means one day all things are made new, a new heaven and a new earth. When it comes to our forever home, it's described this way, a new Jerusalem, a city, comes from the new heavens and it sits on the new earth and there we dwell with God forever. So the saints of old were looking forward to that. And in the coming of Jesus, it means it's actually happening. It's coming, the wheels are in motion. So Christmas morning points to our forever. Everything before the coming of Jesus was pointing to the coming of Jesus. And after Jesus came, everything sits on that reality the coming of Jesus, his birth, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Everything points to that. Christmas literally changed everything. All of heaven is watching. All who have ever believed are watching on Christmas morning. But I also want us to get a little bit into the head of Jesus. What was Jesus's perspective on Christmas morning? Have you ever asked the question, why did Jesus decide to come? When it comes to answering that question, I'm sure you're going to say, to save us, to save us from sin, and that's correct. But not only did he come to save us from sin, but he came to save us to something. He saved us from something, but he's also saving us to something. In the coming of Jesus, something huge was in motion. In John 17, Jesus prays to the Father. The cross is close. There are very big moments coming very soon in the life of Jesus, and he pauses for all of John 17 and prays and prays and prays. He prays for his disciples who are with him, and he prays for all those disciples who are to come. That includes everyone in this room who's believed in Jesus. You're a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus has a particular prayer for you if you've placed your faith in him. Jesus praying for all of his disciples says this in John 17, 24. Father, I want, I want those that you have given me. That is those who have believed. I want, I desire, I long for those who you've given me to be with me. To be with me where I am and to see me in my glory. What is Jesus wanting? What is Jesus longing for? In that manger, what was bringing a sparkle to that baby's eyes? It, was no, it would be knowing one day he would take all who believe in him home to be with him. He actually wants that. He longs for that. Jesus' perspective as he laid in the manger was one day I get to die on that cross before the joy set before him, be raised from the dead to bring his family home. To bring his family home. He wants that. He longs for that. 
Another perspective is how big Christmas morning was to Jesus. Because now Jesus is in a position to do what he's longed for, what he's wanted, is to bring you and me to be with him forever so we might see him in his glory. So why does the manger matter? It's because our forever matters. Jesus came to our home so that he could take us to be with him in our forever home. Jesus on Christmas morning came to our home so that we could be with him forever in our forever home. This is the perspective that we must have on why he came, is to take us home to be with him forever. This is what Jesus is thinking about as he goes through birth, death, and resurrection. If you're not sure where you're going to go when you die, if that's a question that haunts you a little bit, I'm not sure what happens after this life. Christmas helps answer that for you. Jesus came because he wants you to live forever with him. And he died on the cross and rose from the grave to make that possible for you. You and I have a broken relationship with God because all of us have sinned and fallen short. All of us, starting with me. And Jesus died on the cross in my place and yours. And because he rose from the dead, he offers forgiveness. So this week, as you're thinking about Christmas, have you ever told Jesus that you believe in him and you want his forgiveness in your life. If you place your faith in Jesus, who he is and what he's done, you this Christmas could know where you're going to live forever with him. If you wanna ask me more questions about that, I'll be down here. Anyone you see on stage would love to talk to you. If you came with someone today, they would love to talk to you. We'll have prayer partners at the end of the service on either side by the trees, they would love to talk to you. Don't go home today without answering that question. Where will I spend eternity? So, when it comes to perspective, my hope this morning is that Christmas becomes big, huge, eternal, cosmic in the way we view it. There's that little nativity scene, but there's the whole huge reality of what's happening behind. All of heaven is watching. All who have ever believed are watching. Jesus is sparkling his eyes because he knows he's gonna take you to be with him forever in your eternal home. So a couple thoughts. How do we keep this perspective? Number one, this Christmas, this week, as you head into a family gathering or you head out of a family gathering, take a moment to look up. Literally, take a moment to stop and look up. See the expanse of the sky. See the stars. Remember that on Christmas morning, everything in the entire spiritual world, even those who have died and passed on, were watching they were anticipating, they were celebrating. That's how big Christmas is. So I want you to think of Christmas as more than a point in time. We work really, really hard decorating and preparing food for that Christmas day. So we get really focused on Christmas being a point in time, a day. I want you to think of Christmas as being bigger than that. That point in time actually points to you're forever with Jesus. That point in time points to you're forever with Jesus. Now enjoy that moment, be with your family, experience warmth and significance and love it. But just remember, your hope is not in the moment of Christmas day. Your hope is in the forever and the Jesus who made it possible. Our hope is in him 
and our forever home. So enjoy Christmas, but use it to point to the big forever reality of being with Jesus forever. Uh, we talked about the tree over here. Maybe this is a good year to put an angel or a star on top of your tree and remember how heaven was involved with the coming of Jesus and how big it truly is. So often when it comes to heaven, we talk about how much we are going to enjoy heaven. That's just the perspective we tend to have. That's how we tend to talk. I can't wait for me to be in heaven. This Christmas, I want you to wrap your head around the reality that Jesus is excited about having you in heaven. That's what it says. Father, I want those who have believed, I want those who you've given me to be with me. Jesus is excited about you being in heaven. You're excited to be with him and he's excited to be with you. That's how much he loves you. Christmas morning is a reminder of how much he deeply and profoundly and sacrificially loves you and cannot wait to spend all of eternity with you. Perspective. The ultimate fulfillment of Christmas is our forever home with Jesus. Christmas changed everything. Christmas this year, perspective. Remember the big, remember the cosmic, remember the spiritual, remember the eternal. This Christmas, take a moment to slow down. Take a moment to look up. Let's pray. Jesus, is amazing to me that you love us this much. It blows my mind that as you came and were born in a manger and died on a cross and rose from the dead, that one of your greatest motivations was to be with us, each of us by name forever. You want us to see your glory and Lord, that's what we long for. So Father, this Christmas, I pray that you would help us remember our forever home. Keep our perspective big and huge as we enjoy the little moments. In Christ's name, amen. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center.